Well, I hope you enjoyed that. She is an absolute lovely lady, Hannah. Um, and thanks to Kat as well for introducing us as well to, to get this podcast going. And thanks to, um, special thanks actually to the uh, marketing manager of SRG for letting me uh, speak to two people now within that company. Maybe I need to speak to the marketing manager as well. Um, apologies, I've forgotten your name. Um, but no, thank you. Thank you for listening. And um, hopefully we're going to have another podcast coming out in the next hour or two believe it or not or next day or two i hope uh with um a really good friend of mine called james maloney and we're gonna talk politics but anyway thank you for listening take it easy bye-bye hey hannah hi mark how are you doing i'm good I want to call you the infamous Hammer, but Hannah, not Hammer. That's, that's me trying to <laughs> that's me trying to beat Tim in the video earlier on today. Uh, the infamous Hannah, um, who uh, Kat Ree talked about mm, loads, talked about. Um, and You're famous. You are famous. You're famous to me, um, and I've always wanted to speak to you. We've never had a real good excuse, and I thought, why not? I do a podcast uh, with Anna. <laughs> That's probably a good reason. So I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're talking. Um, it's obviously made. It's the moment that's made my career, Mark. Been so excited to join on. It's all been leading up to this, really. For everything you've done so far in your life, it's been leading to this one podcast. Just to let you know, uh, <laughs> it is really. Um, so t- tell us who you are, because Kat talked about you. Um, she, I, I think, I think Kat talked about you quite a lot in that podcast. I think. <laughs> Uh, love her. I, do you know what? Before we, before you introduce yourself, I absolutely love Kat. By the way, she is an awesome lady. Um, so yeah, I, I, she's just amazing. She's fantastic. She was my, you know, headhunter turned um, fantastic friend. And yeah, I'm so grateful for her for giving me this opportunity. To be honest, because without Kat, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, it's at least someone to blame. Anyway, at least if it all yeah. goes wrong. So. If it all goes rubbish. Then yeah, I'll, I'll blame it. We, we can blame it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone what that is then. Who, who, where are you? What are you doing? Wonderful. So I work for SRG, which is obviously uh, the UK, Europe's largest life science recruitment agency. I look after our executive research team. So look after the high level and really weird and wonderful recruitment. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> what I call the art of resourcing, oh, finding yeah. people, talking to people, just looking after the delivery aspect, which is my passion, really. It's all about just finding good people and chattering away all day to people. You're yeah, like so me. Yeah, just yeah. talking, not stop. <laughs> don't stop. I don't stop talking. People tell people put the phone down to me. No, I'm joking. Uh, that's why I did a podcast. <laughs> people listen to me, please. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got more to say. Um, I find, though, especially the weird and wonderful, as you mentioned there, recruitment, I find the weirder the job and the harder the job to fill, I find that more interesting than anything. Same. When a client calls me up and says, Hannah, we need something and I just don't know where we're going to find it or does this profile even exist, uh, which is a question I get a lot. That's when I'm like, yeah, this is for me. If it needs loads of loads of scientific background, something oh. weird, often double PhDs, math, yeah. uh, medic, plus an MBA, you know, yeah. whatever some people seem to struggle with. When those internal talent acquisition people get a job description and cry, Yes. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I, I, beautiful one a couple of months ago, engineering director role, and uh, they had to have a, a PhD or an MBA, and they had to basically they had to have like this perfect career. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking for this. 
I can't wait. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? yeah. And, and you, it's weird when you get into it and you, you know what you're doing, you find them and you find them in the strangest of places, but you find them. So it's yeah. the more excitement when you find them. I yeah. like go home and I'm like, oh, even if you find one person, sometimes that's all it takes, you know, to yeah. find that an amazing person once but, you've mapped up market. I think so. And I think as people got it psychologically in their head, especially HR or internal recruiters, you, you, we'll talk about that in a second about internal recruitment, um, got in their head that it's a complicated search. When you find that one person, they instantly go, oh my gosh, here it is. Here's that person. Yeah. Quickly, let's embrace them. <laughs> um, and admittedly, that is the only person <laughs> in the world that you can have, um, yeah. but, but it moves quicker. It works better and they hold you above their shoulders as a hero. <laughs> exactly. I've got one at the moment that that company came to me and said, "Oh, I've been struggling with this role. It's been opened for a year with four agencies, two headhunters. Can you go see see what's out there?" Went out there. Yeah. I found one person. I, I was like, "That's it. I, I don't think you know you're going to find anybody else after this." And and there they are. You know, that's I think it. today hoping for an offer for them. So it just it is about that, and that's what I love. Just like you, you know, it sometimes takes time as well, doesn't it? The the art of resourcing, as I call it. But yes. you know. No, once you've spoken to that person, or sometimes whenever you've seen their profile, you're like, that's it, this is the person. Yeah. This is what they what's all been working for. But also, I think the complicated ones, because they're, they're set in a certain, you know, like tick box exercise, isn't it? It's got to have this, got to have this, got to have this. Once you find that that person ticks 90% of those boxes, there's a little euphoric feeling about it as well. And, and it's better than trying to interview 20, 30 sales engineers or salespeople or recruiters or wherever it is. And, and you go through, oh my God, these people kind of fit, but they don't quite fit. So I'm just going to fudge it and get 20 of them forward. But with, with those guys, they fit. There's no negotiation. It's black and white with them. I, I find that. That's the best bit. And it's interesting you say the 80% there, because often, you know, with those really niche roles, it is a bit of an education piece. You won't find somebody that's 100% perfect no. all the time. It may well be actually they've got everything and not the management. Send them on a management training course and they'll be there. Yeah, yeah it's a, an education piece of this is the best you will find. Yeah. Take it or, or change your job spec. <laughs> Where it all goes wrong, I think, in this process, because there's only one on the market, if the client says, well, they haven't got X, and then that's it, they won't accept that candidate any further forward, that's when the job turns into a really, really hard headhunt and it could go on for months because there's mm -hmm. not they've been too rigid with the job spec so having a, a buffer of 80 30 30 percent you know 80 to 80 to 70 percent so kind of where you can do something with it and train it um then that's when it, you open that job up a little bit but still it's a complex search even with mm -hmm. the 80 percent yeah yeah See, I told you we'll go off on a tangent with things by the way <laughs> <laughs> so so <laughs> Um, you're, you, you are, you're like me, you're like a carbon copy of me, but you're from the science world and I'm from the engineering yeah. world. Um, my past was started in engineering and I got into recruitment. Your past started as a scientist. Is that right? Well, yes. studying it, doing a degree. Yeah, in I, studied. I did a little bit. Um, I worked, worked for a major pharma company when I came out and I've loved science. I mean, ever since I could talk, my parents would tell you, uh, science, science, everything about science, um, studied it love it went into the lab and was like yeah this is quite boring um or certainly not for me you know it's too quiet not enough talking you know too extroverted and then that's it I kind of fell into recruit I wanted to go into marketing couldn't find a marketing job no. fell into recruitment and um as as everybody does to be honest and would never look back you know that's where where I belong now but yeah 
study biochemistry, love the science, love talking science. Please yeah. don't give me a pipette because I will set something on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Have a big streak of white hair where I electrocuted myself doing gel electrophoresis um, during my university studies, which is wow. a lot of people here at SLG laugh and say, don't oh. give Hannah anything hands-on to do because she might set the world on fire. What part of biochemistry did you kind of really want to get your teeth into then? So for me, it's always protein sciences, in particular entomology. Love the concept of enzymes and, and how they work, but most of my degree um, was a mixture of really detailed protein sciences, how proteins are made and structured and the design wow. of the lots of um, lots of them um, doing the I've forgotten and it's terrible when you forget the name of a system that you used a lot uh, Pymol. I used a lot of Pymol and creating um, that and then the other half of my degree was immunology I've always had a passion in immunology and uh, I think really? with, yeah with the health market where it is now and autoimmune diseases and the horrible things such as cancer yes. it's just an interesting area understanding how our bodies mess it's, everything up and get it all wrong it is isn't it and, and the whole area where now is the, the technology and, and, and you're just hearing about some of the newer sciences that are coming out from that area and, and it, that's almost going into engineering with with little yeah. tiny micro robots <laughs> coming into that's it as well nanotechnology this is it this is it and it's that blending of human and, and mechanical engineering which i'm finding fascinating that's starting to happen and not just with biochemistry, but also with, with medical as well, you know, cochlear ear implants and eye implants mm -hmm. and stuff like that, that, that we're starting to cross that, that bridge now, aren't we? We're becoming cybernetic almost. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that whole biochemistry and the tricking the, the white blood cells now to attack the cancer cells. And, and it, it's, 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 it's so fascinating. We have a number of cell and gene therapy clients and it's, it's where medicine is going. I mean, it's no longer a matter of just throwing a load of medicines and hope it works. It's about no. designing it with engineering background, you know, these vectors and all the bioengineering side of creating platforms to deliver medicines more effectively. Yeah. It, it's crazy, even in the time that I've been in recruitment, which is what coming up to my sixth year. I, it's changed even from from when I started. It's it's that's why I love it. It's so exciting, just like engineering. It's trying to keep up with all the advances as well. I, as... I know. <laughs> when I when I started engineering, I I um uh, before I did my apprenticeship, I was in this two year trainee thing in, in a place called Cardio, in a place Aberporth. It's a diff, um, MOD site. They test missile systems, but they had this little off site thing where they were training sixteen year olds because I didn't want to go back for sixth form. I wanted to be an engineer, so I went on this two year course where I got a load of BTECs and MVQs, and they trained us on CNC machines then. And it was literally a black screen with like a number pad next to it, and then you just program the vector of of this thing to do things. And now. I see these CNC machines and they're not just cutting a square out like I was doing then. They're, they're making full on models of things. Like it's, they're called five axis, nine axis, and these things move around. The, the robotic technology today is just extraordinary. It, it just blows your mind. It's not what it used to be. So that's just in 20 years. Can you imagine what the next 20 years is going to be like? It's, I, mean, I think one thing that's affecting every, every industry is, um, 3d printing machines especially in your engineering world but even in our medicine and pharmaceutical world like that's completely transformed the landscape of, of yeah. how things are done and how things are made weirdly enough in the engineering world they're embracing it very quickly um which i'm very surprised actually because normally they're quite stuck in their ways in some some <laughs> sectors of the engineering market but there's there's some high-tech 
manufacturing processes coming out now and the owners of these companies are going yeah we need we need that we need one of them or at least three of them um to do stuff so when the the big manufacturers like jag land rover or Boeing and stuff like that come knocking on the door looking for work to be done they can say right you can have it five access you can have it 3d printed you can have it um, made by hand by by clive <laughs> the 70 year old fitter fabricator <laughs> if you want if you want to do that it's up to you but they're given a range of services now which is fascinating but what it does to us recruiters which you're probably finding this it's putting pressure on us now to find the people that can do these jobs yeah. that, that, that can work these machines um i know that weren't around five ten years ago and it's, it's completely transformed the market i think for, certainly from a farmer side and it's bringing younger and more technically junior i'm using air quotes here candidates uh, you know into some really high level roles and you know i've been seeing in our industry you know loads of people under the age of 30 stepping into kind of chief technology officer because they've used these technologies and mm. later on fortunately haven't it's a bit of a learning curve so yeah it is making recruitment very interesting um to say the least it is i'm seeing millennials um i hate to use the word millennial sorry i'm 40 i'm an elder millennial <laughs> I'm, millennial. I'm never quite sure what what people class as it's i think i am one i, I have no idea <laughs> i do you know what i i, I the, the start date the it mixes from 1979 when i was born to 1983 it seems to be around there but I, apparently now i'm a zennial which means I'm I'm the people that are trying to take over from the baby boomers but help the millennials with this world that we're in. I have no idea. We're the wealth creators, apparently. I have no idea if we're the wealth creators. Um, but, but I like to go as a millennial because I, I love technology. I, 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 you, as you see on my LinkedIn, I'm, I'm doing podcasts and stuff like that. I love this. This this is the future. This is what we all should be doing. Um and I, I see it. And then I think the end date is like 95, 96, I think. I'm 92. So, yeah, apparently I yeah. am. <laughs> so when you when you were born, um, I actually was in my third year of secondary school. <laughs> 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 oh, no, I feel old. But I don't see it like that. Though. Yeah. Do you know, because I'm 40 this year. I, I, I don't. Although I know I'm 40, I don't feel I'm 40 mentally. Do you know, does that make sense? Um, 40 going on 25, is that yeah, how you feel? Yeah, that's it. And I, I feel that a lot of my friends are in their 20s and 30s. So I feel, oh, I've got friends in their 40s and 50s, but I, I tend to be friends with people which have young mentalities, as in they, they, their, their lives are kind of, they're not kind of getting old before they get old, if that makes sense. They they li- they still live and, and breathe this life that we're in, basically. So they, they're still full of it. They're not going, oh, I'm 42, my knees are gone. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, it's like, I'm 42, I'm going to go mountain biking today. It's like, good on you, mate. I'm going to go surfing. That's exactly what I like it. Yeah, definitely. So you worked as a scientist. Then you found recruitment. Yes, um, then I f- went into contingency recruitment. Yeah, did you fall into it or did you choose to go into it? So I fell into my first recruitment interview. Uh, like I said, I really wanted to go into marketing. Um, I decided, you know, when I came out of university that more of a talker and a sales type person than yeah. necessarily your traditional scientist in the lab. Um, you know, not all scientists wear lab coats. Um, no. <laughs> couldn't really find any interviews for marketing because marketing generally wants experienced people and I didn't have anything. Um, 
but I'd worked in a in a commission-based role selling outdoor clothing during my university days Ooh. so I was quite used to that KPI environment and a, a rec to rec found my CV on like CV library or something back in the day and, and gave me a call saying have you thought about going into <coughs> recruitment and I was like what is it? I've never even heard of it. Yeah. What uh, the? F- it's what? recruitment. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Do people just not apply on companies' websites anymore? Like, that's just not how it works. But yeah, and I, um, I actually, surprisingly, my first uh, um, interview for recruitment was here at SRG M- many years ago. I didn't get the job. Um, somebody that was hired instead of me still here to this day. Uh, Nathan doing very, very well. Yeah. Um, kept the door open, obviously fantastic business but and then i um i actually joined uh, nes global talent through their graduate scheme which was ah, um, okay. a baptism of fire i can say it was a um yeah. great a great place to start your recruitment career you know it's very taught me all the right things getting on the phone you know it was that mix of engineering and science and yeah yeah learned a lot of really established recruiters uh, but yeah I- I just essentially fall into it. I, 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 being a small business myself, I say to anyone that wants to, that's just to finish the degree, want to go into recruitment. I always say, go knock on the big, big doors of, of recruitment. <laughs> you know, the Hayes's, the Randstads, the SRGs to to a certain extent as well, isn't it? They, they, they like that kind of um, graduate, educated type person to come into, especially, especially if you've done a, a science degree or an engineering yeah. degree. Um, and you go into that sector, you, you should have some clue. In my humble opinion, you should have some clue what you're recruiting. Um, people disagree. I think it helps. Um, yeah, definitely. How much has it helped you, being an ex-scientist? Honestly, I, I wonder whether I would be any good as a recruiter if I didn't have that te- technical background. I've seen good people who who do it and don't have that background i don't think it's mutually exclusive but i wonder if i would have struggled uh, because i didn't have to learn that area pharmaceuticals med device biotech it's all my passion i read about it in my spare time you know those cool scientists um but yeah i i genuinely it gives me credibility with my customers and clients. I think little things like people check my LinkedIn profile and be like, oh, yes, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Yes, yes. I genuinely wouldn't know. I would struggle for me, I think, to understand whether candidates were right without that background. Um, I've learned more about the industry since being in recruitment, honestly. Yeah. But that baseline level really, really <coughs> helped, especially when I started with the junior candidates and you are looking at a list of assays, you know, have they done an ELISA? Can they do these basic things? And understanding what that is helped really make yeah. sure that I knew it. And that's something I pride myself on is I say to my customers all the time, I'm not going to send you somebody if they're not right. You know, there's no point because you're just going to reject them. I'm going to have to reject the candidate. It's a waste of everybody's time. So that being able to understand really everybody's skills and are they right for this role yeah. has helped me enormously. And then I, you know, in Rachel, the researcher um, who reports into me and my team, you know, she's a geneticist and I see the same from her, you know, it gives, I think, you know, it's one thing less to learn. Yeah. Instead, we, we can focus on, on being the best, best headhunters and best recruiters and knowledge so, is already there really. So you've got quite, you've got quite a multi-skilled team of educated people then in your team at this moment in time then yeah absolutely so you know i work rachel here i mentioned that so she's a geneticist who graduated um, a couple of years ago when she worked over in in singapore um wow doing okay. some fantastic stuff you know as as a scientist doing stuff that probably goes a bit above my head with dna in the lab um, <laughs> yeah. Stop. Um, yeah. and then you know i work with somebody else really closely who who's our, our project manager and his background keith's background is um, a forensic scientist by trade which is Flipping really helpful 
Yeah. None of us really know each other's areas very well of science, but it allows us to just, you know, no, have but that credibility. And we all love it. That's the thing. We all love science. That's why we're here. Yes. Because I want to, I want to talk about science, as does Rachel, as does Keith. And it, I think it makes yeah. a, a huge difference. Massive difference. Massive difference. So you got into the NES uh, graduate program. Yeah. Yes, right. so NES graduate program, you know, what graduate programs in these big companies are like. Yeah. Lots, lots of training. Do you know what? The training there was, was really great. You know, so much training, so much development from, from the teams that I worked with um, and my managers and everything were great. Yeah. And then, you know, don't have anything bad to say. I don't have anything bad to say about say anyone I've worked with, but all offered fantastic things to, to my career, different things. Um, you know, that mentality of our saying, pick up the phone pick up the phone um yeah. was, was from that day, the days of oil and gas recruitment i suppose it's it's a dip, bit different and then from there i uh, had the opportunity to join an executive search boutique that that headhunted me uh, <coughs> which was completely different um and, and oh. a brand new learning curve yeah yeah the, the, the whole boutique mentality and and coming from a big company is the dynamics are different everything is different did you have kpis and, and targets in the boutique or was it just just do what you can or was it no we, we had some you know financial targets but it wasn't kpis in the sense of other places where you know how how many calls have you made today it was just yeah about that's what, what i mean yeah bring yeah. in the money really yeah. um and i'm really lucky there zoe who who um the kind of recruitment director is just a phenomenal recruiter like the just does it in such a different way she worked another person who worked in the industry as, as a kind of key account manager in her sales background and yeah. yeah it was a you know such a different environment that really allowed me again to focus on the science and talking to people and finding the fit as opposed to just have i have us done 75 business development calls this week yeah that, that and that's the part of recruitment not many people understand do they it's that mm. some it's especially if you're like us where we enjoy the technology and we enjoy the, the the sector and speaking to people and filling jobs doing some doing doing a kpi like 75 calls doesn't turn us on it's how many people can we speak to in, in place <laughs> that's what does us um and who can we talk to and bore the pants off with our knowledge <laughs> and that's what it's great we're like arcing electrodes then we are oh more we want more <laughs> Definitely. So you went from there then into internal then is that right i did and then yeah then i went to gsk corn ferry uh completely different you know wow. if you look at my career it goes contingency exec search internal rpo agency um, I, which I, is unusual to no, say the least but you've experienced all the flavors of recruitment if you Absolutely. think about it i've done it all um and, and that's something i purposely have chosen to do you know it's not me falling into this company um honestly my time at, at gsk internal was phenomenal i think it made me a just much better recruiter um i'm sure you know understand for one understanding the needs of my customer having been there working yeah. with the agencies knowing you know it sounds crazy but knowing how much an internal recruiter is actually recruiting it especially at these big companies you know we, we were so busy there's always need for scientists and directors yes. and everything else um and seeing that side of things was was such a unique opportunity for me yeah what was the most most difficult part of being an internal recruiter well i honestly think it is how busy you are um i think it was something to me that i i don't know i, think, I suppose it's one of those things that everybody thinks about 
don't they? In any of us recruiters, and I hear it all the time as with this weird transition of, oh, internal recruitment's easy. It's not easy. I can tell you that. Um, it's different. You know, everything yeah. has different challenges. And I think that's something that, that I took away the most is it's not a cop out. It's not, you know, oh, a failed recruiter as such at all. You know, you're, it's the stakeholder management is something else. You know, you've got uh, at some point I'd have 80 stakeholders all trying to get hold of me as if they're recruiting most God. important and you know it is to them it is the most important and, and balancing that time yes has, you know definitely helped me now coming here as, as a team lead to be able to, to manage the day and, and support yeah. people that that frustrates me by the way when when someone says internal recruiters are failed recruiters it because really me as well because it's not it's it's different you're still working with stakeholders still yeah doing the same kind of activities just in a different environment you're not going out and searching for your jobs but you're still selling you're still selling yeah. to candidates you're still selling your services to the internal stakeholders and yeah them on board i, I like no, it's not a <laughs> uh, no it's definitely not and i like to think as well because there's so many different flavors of recruitment you know external recruitment because you're doing two jobs basically with external recruitment business development and finding people for the jobs you've you've picked up um doesn't make you an elite recruiter that doesn't make you suddenly the best recruiter on the no. market because you can sell and you can find candidates at the same time no, um absolutely not and, and and we need to understand that i think i think being an internal recruiter probably requires you to control it and sell more effectively than being an external recruiter where you can walk away anytime from all the absolutely. jobs absolutely you can't walk away that's exactly it you know yeah. you've got to always deliver or fill the jobs for a, for a fact i mean as, as an external recruiter as well you should be doing that as well but you know it's like you say it's, it's that balance and actually you know when i was going into into that internal rpo role oh, everyone oh you're giving up on recruitment and then coming back out i mean that was even weirder i mean the amount of questions and things that people have sent me even people that i don't know uh, you know that would message me over linkedin asking me to explain explain myself i don't need to explain myself to to, to some randomer but yeah you know, it was the right decision for me and um I, i'm i'm sure you have a lot of questions about in particular why but it, it you know it, at the time it was it was the right thing for me and you can't but the thing is that's individual to each person i i never question whenever i do these podcasts or even when i interview candidates i never question why people move jobs i i, I like to believe that there's a good reason to move jobs unless it's they've been sacked and, and if they tell me that i let them tell me their story do you know what i mean why you know and yeah. most job moves well i say most job moves i'm talking from the engineering sector is is money orientated anyway they're looking for more money um and this whole factor of bad management it does come into it in certain circumstances but most people are just looking to grow their career and and their earning potential so that's why most people change jobs um, i'm not saying that was the reason why you change jobs by the way <laughs> but then there are unique reasons why people move jobs and you know you might i, I don't know about you but sometimes i've got to a point in the job where you know i just i've outgrown it i've just outgrown the company and everything and just want to move forward into something different and new and then i do it and then reflect thinking ah shit i wish i didn't do that <laughs> i can safely say i'm not doing that reflection and no. at the moment and, you Don't. know i it was actually a really hard decision and i have a, a post on my on my linkedin about my first 90 days um, with srg which i'm now coming up for my first full year it's absolutely stormed by wow. um, where, yeah. um 
and it, you know where I say that you know I'm getting angry at myself about it but no um why you know the move and I loved my time with 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 the internal position the, the RPO yeah. it was it was they you know the, deve- the development I got was a different type of development you know the skills that I got at home and the people the network as well that I made you know of, of people there within Cornbury it's, it's a large organization um and you know that it was a really really tough decision actually yeah. for me yeah. to, to say oh I'm going to leave here um to go to something else but you know when the right opportunity lands on your lap and I, I really thought about it and you know there was a good while between you know me thinking about this opportunity and me taking it um and I had hundreds of conversations with people including my current boss at the time who um I sat down and said this is where I want to go with my career I've interviewed with with SRG and well, what are your thoughts and do you know what he was really supportive of oh that's good right for you actually and yeah. you know he even made the comment of He's watching somebody underneath him who you know I was a standalone recruiter then to move into a team leader role you know he said he's even though it's leaving the company felt like he'd done his job um which is is nice to hear yeah yeah that's really good to hear and I love it when I hear stories like that by the way where the bosses have got involved and you thinking about leaving rather than you going here's my resignation bye do you know what I mean? It's it's and it, I, I love that. That means you've done a phenomenal job there if you had that relationship there with your manager um, to get to that point. So no, that's that's kudos to you, by the way. That's that's reflects <laughs> who you are. Um, when do you, oh, that's actually a good question. I was just thinking, and as you were talking, do you find the people that go into internal is a is a route they believe to HR? Do you think that's? A f- I think some people actually, yeah, very much so, um, and I think other people. I think a huge piece of it is luckily the recruitment market's changing is, is work-life balance. Actually a lot of people oh, right. I yeah. worked with really see that. And, and that I don't mean in the sense of people want it lazy because recruiters, we can never be lazy, whether you're internal, external RPO, we, yeah. it's a high intensity job, um, it is. whatever you do. 8am to 6pm for long. It's the, there on, is, sometimes yeah. more, especially in our world where, you know, people are in, you know, people can't take calls from me and manufacturing facilities during the day. You know, I have to go home and, and give them a shout then, yeah. which is fine. But, you yeah. know, it's I've the done, more I've, hard money we make, essentially, I've, doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> I've done interviews at 12 o'clock in the, in the night. I've, I've done interviews um, of, of a Skype of three in the morning, obviously, because they're across the world. But yeah, that's But... But that's it. That's recruit. Well then, welcome to recruitment. <laughs> that's what welcome to, so I say, you know, to, to anybody joining, you know, is... It's different, yeah. but I think you know, with going that internal, you know, some people do want that HR piece, um, which is a unique thing. I could never work in HR personally. I don't no. think it's um, my cup of tea. Um, but I think yeah, a lot of people as well is 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 that change of one not wanting sales, yeah. traditional business development of cold calling. Hello, have you got any jobs? Which yeah, it's a whole thing in itself. And then, yeah, I think that balance piece and that is, you know, people moving into later parts of their life or, or people getting, a lot. I saw a lot of people getting mortgages who need um, a set amount of income every month as opposed to, oh, am I going to have a good month? Am I going to have a bad month? And yeah. they find that kind of easier. So there's lots of different reasons. And then there are the people that take it on thinking it's going to be easier and that they tend to be the people within six months yeah. that will have uh, will have gone somewhere else but but it's just like external recruitment you, you come across the, the the proper career driven and and they they know their shit and and it gets done and and they're great to work with 
internal recruiters, but then you come across the fly-by-night ones, just like recruiters, uh, all recruiters. And, and in my humble opinion, they've picked the wrong career path, let alone the wrong bloody job. Um, and and they've come from, I'm not going to use names, but a high street agency into a technical company, and they fail. Um, and you know, there's a little bit of blame on the company hiring them there, but also there's a lot of blame on them for taking a job in a sector that they know nothing about and now have to perform Absolutely. As well, and I think I think that's something I see from recruiters a lot as well as there's that non. I suppose people aren't doing due diligence or, like you know, as as a breed of people we we tend to be very money motivated, don't we? Um, yeah. And people say, ah, oh, they're offering me X amount more money than I'm going to get here, plus then the commission, and they kind of just jump as opposed to thinking, oh yeah, oh, is this aligned? How am I going to do here? Am I for more money? I'm going to have to perform, but my billings are going to be yeah. higher. So. Yeah am I going to be able to hit that in a new market? And I think people just often just jump for that money. And then that's when three, four, five, six months in, it's like, Oh, I've done it. I want to get to my old company and then they pay them less. <laughs> oh, Hannah, I've done it. I've done it myself. I've gone for the money and I've realized <laughs> over, I've, I've 14 years in recruitment. And in that time I was right at the beginning driven by money. And I mean, really driven by it. What, that's all I wanted it. And then as career's gone by and I've been four years now with this business and if I wanted to make shit loads of money in recruitment I'd be working for Hayes right now <laughs> um, <laughs> um, or Michael Page or somewhere like that you know somewhere yeah. where it's just just constant kind of drive ah, into, yeah. into it you know what I mean and um and pinstripe suits and stuff um but but <laughs> me start yeah <laughs> but me me starting this business is me enjoying what i love doing i'm making money from what i enjoy doing um and i generally do enjoy it. so that that's my evolution and, and that was my realization it's not about the money you know it's great to have lots of money by the way let's not let's not be let's not lie there it's great to have it but what about stability what about financial stability and being able to do what you want at the same time and if you can get a job doing that which i think srg from listening to cat do very well from what i'm i'm hearing yeah i think the thing is with srg is a lot of people here do have scientific backgrounds you know i'm used to being in a place previously where i would be the only person with a scientific degree um and here i think it's 80 85 percent of us have either worked in the industry or have that relevant technical background whether it's engineering, the engineering team yeah. and it makes a difference um you know people do what they want here because they love and do what they want people do what they do because we love it because we mm. love science and they have made that really unique niche and yeah you know we are a bit you know a traditional agency but it doesn't feel like it you know yeah it's, it's a much not i don't want to say chill environment because it's still recruitment um and i don't think chill is ever the word i'd use for recruitment <laughs> i like to i like to use synchronized synchronized when, yeah when, absolutely when, when you feel chilled in a, in a high oh, i don't like using the word high performance <laughs> some people might like using that word in a performing environment where people are doing well if everyone's synchronized it feels chilled but everyone's doing their job and stuff gets done and the board is you know the whiteboard of figures looks good all the time um and that's how i kind of see it so that's why i like the word synchronized <laughs> if that's the yeah, right. yeah. but yeah it, it's yeah. a great you know environment and i said at the beginning but you know yeah it took, sent me a message and this opportunity was here and then it it's really i think fit really well um i'm, I'm enjoying it good I mean, a mixture of everything that i've loved doing talking science you know i get to do that little bit of management and start building those skills and talking 
to candidates. I mean, that is that is my passion, yeah. which is people always say it's weird. I suppose. I suppose most people want to move away from that traditional. Oh yeah, um, I want to all you know to be a non-billing manager. That seems to be people's um, dreams. I can't <laughs> think of anything worse than actually stepping away from the delivery. It's it's I think what I was born to do. <laughs> yeah, I've been a non-billing manager, and you have to be obsessed with people, managing people, and. Um, if if you're a shit bomb building manager, you you tend to be the person that doesn't coach people and you just let everyone fail. So you have to be obsessed with management, if that makes sense, to be a non building manager to fill the day with something because <laughs> you're not recruiting. Um, and and if you're doing some recruitment and some management at the same time, I, I mean there is a lot of arguments to that where you know if you're a, like a football manager, you're not scoring goals on the Saturday, your, your top striker is, you're coaching them to score those goals. Mm-hmm. And I get that analogy um, for sales. Um, but I think it's different strokes for different folks, I think. Exactly, I get that. And, you know, I see the absolute need to have those kind of people, but that's certainly not going to be me and, and certainly not in, in, yeah. the, uh, in the any time future. I, I still get that little buzz. I don't mean in terms of like sales and money, but when you introduce a uh, candidate especially a senior candidate you know to um to a company i get that little like warm feeling of butterflies in my stomach and i, I just can't imagine that ever going away and just this morning actually I, I woke up and checked my um you know you you know what it's like woke up check my check my roll over check my emails because that's the kind of people we are <laughs> yes. and the candidate had a, had accepted an offer and I was literally like jumping up and down thinking oh i'm so happy for him like that this this is this is yeah yeah. been that facilitated that introduction and, and that's what i see myself as as necessarily just somebody here to, to make a load of money it's facilitating yeah. the introductions and contributing to the to the life science industry and that's it right let's talk about transition then from yes. internal to external you talked about the first 90 days um yeah let's let's, let's delve into that what really happened <laughs> what? Oh, when i came so we talked, do you want to know about before, you know, how they poached me? Are we talking about actually what I've got here and, and it's it's out of my desk on day one? <laughs> if if you were if it's a lovely good brag of you getting there, then definitely do it. No, I, <laughs> I think for you it's more it's it's kinda of like this there's internal people at the moment. Um I, I've come across and I've spoken to a couple of internal people right now that are crapping themselves because of the, the current economic conditions that potentially could happen next year, Brexit and because their company's slowing down and what whatever it is. And they wonder what the freaking hell to do. And they've negatively perceived external as an option and they don't know whether to go and do it because now they don't think they can transition into it. Um how was that for you? How was that transition back into external? Honestly, I'd say that you should absolutely consider it. And for me, the transition was a natural, a natural step for me. I mean, I had done, as we saw from going through my career history, you know, it wasn't me that first jump into agency. I was very aware of what is expected of people at agencies yeah. and that different external environment. But I suppose it, it was, it was an interesting one to come back actually. Um, to me, I, if that sounds crazy, but I honestly felt like I was back at home um, oh, okay. involved in yeah. this, this environment. And, and I'm trying to think about why that is. I suppose I, I'm not, I've never really had to sit down and think about it because 
to me it was just that step I mean the reason for me changing by the way was you know one I wanted to look at stepping into some taking on some more management responsibilities my life situation just meant that I had a little bit more free time and was able to kind of commit that back to the the hours that we do here and it seems then you know the, the money piece is always helpful having that commission yeah things that, you know come from the harder you work that the more you earn but yeah I, I suppose the hardest thing I actually found transitioning back was the, the perception of everybody else around me um that, that would be the hard part i think yeah people yeah. would so first of all srg um and i've known people here for a long time uh they you know potentially were, were a client um you know i've been a client of theirs in, in the past so i knew a fair few people um once word got out that i was coming here before i'd actually started internally i was receiving phone calls left right and center <sighs> oh i can't believe you're coming to to agent coming here we're really excited but are you sure you know and to, to the point that people were like oh you weren't sure you were going to turn up for day one I was yeah. like of course I am if I've committed to, to signing my contract and saying I'm coming then you know I'm coming but that was the biggest piece to me it, it didn't feel like a big change of environment really and um, it's recruitment it's recruitment you know building processes yeah working with your stakeholders <laughs> It's all the same to me but actually it was that perception of of things and i i don't know yourself mark i genuinely i thinking of people i know i i can't think of another person in my network that i know that has done that transition back the internal to agency i don't it's, know why it's so rare it is rare it is rare um i've come across it i think obviously yourself um and probably three maybe four other people that have done it and what i've discovered Sorry, right, go for it. I was about to ask about just being me being nosy more than anything. Those people, yeah, are they still there if they transitioned back? Or what's happened with those? Um, that's a good question. I, mean, I, I think of one example um, was working for a big internal recruitment company. Uh, sorry, a recruitment company as an internal recruiter went rack to rack external, um, self self employed, and now is back internal. Um, so. For them, I think they dipped their toe back in the external market, realized it wasn't for them. But I think it's a good thing, I think, where they realized it wasn't for them. They've given it a go, and they've gone back yeah. internal. Um, whereas another one, I, I, I think, is she still? I think she's still external, but working some accounts within that external company. So it's not quite 100% new business, like you and I will probably be doing. Um and I can't think of what the other ones are doing. I haven't yeah, checked upon that's, them. That's fine. Like I say, I'm, I mean, yeah. hoping that I'll find more people. And, you know, like you say, with some of the changes and things ongoing, I, I like to hope more people will consider yeah. it. Yeah. Be a bit of an ambassador of, you know, going internal one does not make you a failed recruiter. Coming yeah. out of internal or going into agency or whatever, even if it's key account management, whatever, isn't a bad thing as long as that what you want and you're aligned with it. But yeah, I must have been, even to this day, you know, yourself and, and this this podcast and you know even especially with my my customers when they love it they're the internal piece i can un understand their stresses understand the points yes that they need to know and, and how best to work with them and best to utilize the time yeah precious for everybody but yeah they also ask um you know, one of my customers earlier this year actually gave me a call out of the blue to say uh i didn't realize that you were, were internal with gsk before and i was like yeah 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 oh you've come out uh what happened there did you did you get made redundant no 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 i i you know resigned happily in, in a good place to come yeah. to the community. And he was just 
it was HR to be fair. So she was a bit like, I have no idea, but what's going on. But it's <laughs> yeah. so weird. And that's what I struggled with is how weird people found it. Um, I, I find, I find it fascinating that more people don't do it as a, as a choice, yeah, but I, I, I'm really, I shouldn't say this like this. I'm annoyed with some people they see some people perceive internal as failed recruiters. That annoys me. Some people yep. then that become internal recruiters then go F agency. That's not for me yeah. anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, and then they treat agency recruiters really bad. Um, um, that is one thing that I mean, not so much that I've ever seen anybody I know, but it's certainly what you hear a lot about. And, yes. and it's, it happens to be overnight though. It's not, oh, I've been internal for seven years and yeah, suddenly I hate agencies. It's like, okay, I'm now sat internal. Agencies are terrible. Yeah. That's it. If I, if I went internal um, and then I had a load of agencies calling me, because I'm an ex-external agency and I know how the process works, I will manage that process because I understand how that process works in a different way. And we all know to get the best out of external agencies, you've really got to drill them for what the you know and 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 then you you can be that dickhead if you want to without going no go away i don't like you and putting the phone down on people which happens so so you know be be a part of it and i feel that sometimes they segregate themselves um from the industry and then when they come to looking for jobs they have to then stay internal which i think is a harder job find than looking for an external job now um, yeah, definitely. Definitely now, you know, with with the climate. I mean, some companies are really heavily investing in internal teams, which is great. You know, and I think you know the use of an internal team is is a fantastic thing. You know, you should be able yes. to build a big bulk of your recruitment. You know, in house, especially if you've got a good brand, which these engineering and scientific companies often do. Yeah. But it's about having the right partnerships. You know, yeah. I always say to my clients, it's about that one two percent that you you wouldn't know how to fill. That's yeah. when you come. And, that's it. That's you know, it. and maybe it's different with the lower levels but you know certainly a big company should have an internal function, but no internal function as i know from internal can fill everything you know i i consider myself a strong sorter i think cat called me the candidate whisperer um you know I, and i like that but even when i was internal i had to partner with agency for yeah. roles because you don't have the time or the resources necessarily to spend four weeks looking out in the market <sighs> that's it Exactly. But it seems to be there's that reservation of actually you're yeah. just here to steal money. No, not really. Yes, we need to be paid for our services, but just as if you went to the hairdresser, you wouldn't leave without paying yeah. for it. Um, well, this is it. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. But, yeah, it seems to be overnight. But I, I really tried to build those relationships. And, you know, some yeah. of the agencies I used internally, they still messed me over LinkedIn and things to, to keep in touch. And that's, that's good. Something else I really, I think, is weird. And I don't know if you've ever found it. It's a bit of a tangent, but we love a tangent. Yeah. Um, is when recruiters seem to think that they can't be friends or have people in their network with competitor agencies or who are in the similar field to them. I find that fascinating as well. Um, there's an agency, I won't, wait, I won't name them on this podcast, that the manager of that agency has told all his staff to um, block me and everything I do because he doesn't want them accidentally liking my stuff and it ends in the feed and I steal all their clients. That's, that's not what it's about though, is it? I think I have, <laughs> I, because I've worked at multiple you know, different places now and they other people who go off to other places especially in the science field you know yeah. we are 
a bit smaller. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm a better recruiter because I have friends and ex-colleagues and just people like yourself in the network. You know, I love your little posts where you do your minute of engineering stuff and <laughs> I try to share as much knowledge about the market as possible. And, you know, obviously I don't want them stealing my customers, but there shouldn't be a way for them to do that anyway. It's I, don't think it, I, I don't think any recruiters at risk of their customers being stolen, by the way. Because, no, I don't think so. Yeah, and especially in the contingency world. I know you do a, a, quite a bit of retained as well, but especially in the contingency world, uh, I think there's more than enough business to go around and there's no effing way I can fill all the jobs all the time. There's no way I can do that. So no. there's good... Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to fill what I can fill, and then the next agency is going to do the same after that. That's contingency. That's how that works. Um, exactly. Retainers, but, yeah. yeah, different. <laughs> That's different. You know, it is yeah. different. And then, but you know, I've never had the fear of. Oh, obviously, I'm not going to go naming my customers on my LinkedIn page or anything. But. I bet, but so however, good. if you did name all your customers in your LinkedIn page, I bet you very few agencies will be able to do anything about it. No, um, exactly. I think you know, and that's it. Um, as well, sorry, someone trying to barge into my room. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> it's away, it? um, but yeah, and, and that's something that I'm really passionate about. Actually, is, is like as recruiters to improve ourselves as recruiters. There's no harm in having networks out there with other people. And I, agree. I also work with, you know, even like yourself. You know, I network and I try to talk to a lot of people who maybe do what I do, but in the tech field or in the IT field or whatever. We all yeah. can learn each other but um, we also i think we're also practicing what we preach because i i say to people network with people and then you might find your next career move so we're all all us recruiters that are networking with each other not only are we just trying to create relationships and friendships and 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 um you know, knowledge as well. You know, I, I, there's a, a site, and if you ever want to join it, please let me know. Um, I started called the Recruiters Arms with a couple of guys a couple of years ago. Now I, I'm, I'm running it on my own at the moment. It's a Discord channel, and in there there's about 20, 30 recruiters that just talk shit all day, but it's mostly about <laughs> recruitment. Um, but they're lovely guys, and, and we're really good friends, and we've all helped each other now, and we've all done something for each other at some point. Um, whether it's working collaboratively or giving advice on business plans to promote us to get promotions or running businesses and who's got the cheaper rates with, with X, Y, and Z, con, um, whatever it is, contracts, uh, supplier, sorry, start again, invoice, supply, uh, invoice factoring company. <laughs> get it right in a second. But you know what I mean? We're, we're swapping and changing stories um, and just kind of get ourselves to that point. So that collaboration, you know, I think some guys have promoted, uh, sorry, it's not promoted, um, got employed through through that recruiter's arms at some point or got a job from a rec to rec or something. Um, and some yeah. people have liked each other. So th this this is this is what the future of we're practicing what we preach what we're trying to tell people this is what you got to do to get yourself moving forward today absolutely yeah, how boring the world of recruitment would be if you only ever spoke to people at your own company uh, yeah. imagine. Um, it yeah. just would not be uh, right but yeah it's something that would get commented on quite often as well I don't know how you're friends with people at the pastor. Well, we don't sit down and talk about our customers. No. We don't say ex-customer and we're doing this project with them. But it's, oh, you know, I'm trying to recruit in this kind of field. What tips do you have? You know, yeah. how... And I, I really thrive on that. So hopefully... I, I'm seeing it change a little bit now, but I'm hoping in the future it continues to go I, away. I work for a company where the manager, managing director, I should say, was very paranoid about um, his staff doing anything on social media. And there's one time... I liked a rec to rex 
comment or post or something. And he said, uh, you're looking for another job, aren't you? What? You liked his post. So obviously you're, you're, you're speaking to him about looking for another job. No, I just liked his post. What? What? Do you know what I mean? And, and this, I think it's a very old hat, old mentality um, thought process that because we're all tra- chatting, we're all looking for jobs. If we were, we'd be gone a long time ago. That's exactly what I the kind of thought. If I wanted to work somewhere else, I'd, I'd work somewhere else, wouldn't I? Um, and but I do that a lot, and it's comments. I'm luckily, you know, my director she knows I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, questions there. We'll let but, you go you know, anyway. <laughs> you know, there may well be, especially more junior. And I have a huge amount of life sciences recruiters in my network. And if I see an attractive job post by a rector, I will like it. So that then hopefully more people will see it. Yeah, but um, that's what it's about, isn't it? As long as I think if the, if you're not liking it, um, and you're a manager, and you're looking at your staff not liking rectorate posts, then have a chat with them because they probably are looking for jobs. Uh, because if they're not liking <laughs> it, they're not letting other people see it because they're applying for it. Um, so yeah, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's fascinating, isn't it? The whole psychology of social media and how recruitment that works in this mm. environment it's crazy i imagine you could do about 100 hours of podcast just on the state of linkedin currently um uh, you could do two minutes if you want <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. i mean i i think you know you can look at my profile you know i'm all over linkedin like a tramp on a kipper but um <laughs> i, I think it's kipper, great no i'm joking <laughs> i think it's the phrase that i got from my dad who just used to like kipper um, oh there we go there we go but yeah it, it you know, I, I, it's built my network, it got me this job, it got me my previous jobs, you know, no secret, Kat sent me a one-line message on LinkedIn and yeah. four months later it was. Um, and I think that, I, I like it, but I, I think, you know, if you go on LinkedIn now, the first thing you'll see every morning is somebody moaning about it. Um, which oh, is totally. A bit exhausting. Um, I didn't delete evolved. your profile or stop. Yeah. yeah um it has yeah. evolved and you know every, it's just like anything people use it for different things and you yeah. know uh, i have a friend who who successfully met her husband off there and i don't say he sent her a message like being creepy or anything <laughs> or you know, a picture working <laughs> and you know yeah networking and everything that happens um yeah yeah it it it's i, I love it i think it's great yeah i think yeah. It, it, there's a lot of people moaning these days <laughs> I, I, people need to realise and understand there's going to be a day where you and I are not going to like LinkedIn because it's evolved beyond what we want to do, but we've got to evolve with it. Um, it's gone from the conservative, I have this job, please apply, to check out this really awesome video of a cat. Yeah. Oh. Do you know? But the cat <laughs> yeah, is, you, you know what I mean? Look at this office dog taking a poo in the middle of the office. <laughs> but it's in an oh, office. So, yeah, so, you know, it's office relevant. Is, yeah, is, yeah some of the way that people are using it to, to market their jobs now you know um yes. there's some excellent copy going out there and i think people are really thinking about the way in which they communicate their either vacancies or whatever's going on in their business which is to me is great yeah. you know yeah. differentiate yourself from everybody else you know you need to in this this day and age when there's a thousand companies doing whatever each company a does yeah. Company will do it cheaper, you know, those kind of things. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm a big fan of LinkedIn, as you can probably tell, and I try to use it. No, I don't not like quite it. as much as you. <laughs> I'm <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Um, I haven't got to the video point yet because I just don't think people want to want to see my face or hear it. But I know that a lot of people get a lot of success from it. Um, and I have a couple of times I posted a picture of my cat. Yeah. I try to link it to a job. I try to make it relevant, but do really, I just off my cat. the problem with video is people think 
it's for people to engage with to want to be a part of your company if that makes sense or want to, to know your company video is just an addition to everything else you do it it's it's about humanizing who you are and making sure making people kind of engage with you as a person rather than um it being a corporate bullshit message that some people put out there um so yes people's posts could be humorous and, and entertaining and, and factual and, and stuff but your videos can also be that as well but it's just it's just an addition to what you're doing it's not it's not going to change the world you put the video out there so i say to people if you if you want to do it do it and enjoy doing it if you don't want to do it don't do it because there's no point if you don't if you're not going to enjoy doing it so if you always wanted to do video do it just do it and you know four or five videos later you realize that you actually either love it or hate it and if you hate it don't don't do them again <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah, do something else yeah <laughs> find the time i think i will eventually move to that to more of that platform but, um, but have a purpose though have a purpose for it yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I need a purpose. I'm not just going to yeah. do a video for the sake yeah. of doing a video. You need a you need a benefit of it, or you know, to yeah. add some value to people's lives. But, Boom! That's yeah. exactly it. Adding value. That's all it is. And, <laughs> and I try to do videos that um, I've always tried to do videos that add value. Lately, I've experimented with a little bit of entertainment in the middle of that, just to humanise me a little bit more. I've enjoyed your entertainment, though. I must admit, your little blooper video or whatever you put. <laughs> gave me uh, a good couple of seconds of chuckle in the office. Ah, uh, good. That's what it's for. And and. It, you know, it's again, and people, I shouldn't say this on a podcast. Maybe, I, maybe I should delete this out. But also, another part of video is not just humanizing you, but also people realizing who you are. So when someone says, "I need an engineering recruiter," they watch that blooper reel I did, or they they'll watch the the information video I did, and they'll remember me for that. If you know what I mean, and then they go, oh, "I know, I know an engineering recruiter that can do that." So it's about visuality as well um it doesn't have to be video by the way it could be pictures it could be well-written blogs that's another good one mm -hmm. for some people that is good I mean, i've read some really fantastic blogs and things um often not going looking for them but just they just appear and stuff on linkedin yeah um, and i must admit i enjoyed that yeah but i'm enjoying minus you know the mode you know the state's fine it's just the moaning that that actually yeah the making it worse <laughs> Yeah, and get off it then if that's the point, if that's the exactly. problem. Delete you know. your profile. No one's making you be here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's the thing about social media. People come on going, my, my favorite comment I get sometimes in my videos is that's two minutes of my life. I'll never get back. What, what point in that two minutes did you just not stop yourself and go, <laughs> you know? How? How much do you unvalue your own time? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'm not enjoying this, but I'm going to watch all of it anyway. Exactly. <laughs> um, you do like, that with a film, do you? You stop it and move to something else with this Netflix culture. Um, yeah. Be the same. Yeah, exactly. There's the reason why I don't watch the Tory Manifesto. <laughs> There's a reason because I know it's going to be boring and wasting my time, so I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> so, so, that's how we need to see our lives. I, we've come up to an hour, and I think this is probably a natural place for us to go. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Thank I you. Think for so. I think we've, between us both and our very extroverted talking, I think we've, we've got a lot in. in our yeah, life. we've put the world to rights in the recruitment industry. But not also, it was more about you. I wanted to hear your story and, and, and find out about how you transitioned from in and out of internal um, an RPO uh, because I've never met anyone like you, Hannah. Um, you're unique. Hopefully, good, you won't way. meet another person quite like me. I do like no, to I, consider I, myself rather unique. Whether that's a good or a bad thing, I'll let everybody else do that. <laughs> um, you I, know. I don't know how to let you go now after this. You know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. 
Um, <laughs> I'm about if you decide that we need to have another chat, you know where yeah. I am. And, um, we'll we'll go private now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think everybody else needs to to hear about me putting the world to rights in my my, my LinkedIn place um, too much. But no, I, thank you so much for for inviting me on and letting me. Uh, no. Thank cat for that. That's cat's fault. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> cat. Cat's responsible for so many things. Um, <laughs> um, oh, I absolutely love her. Beautiful person. Yeah, oh, me too. She's fantastic. Um, she's, you know, both as a recruiter, she's so unique. Um, and as as a friend, she's just a lovely, fantastic person as well. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Cool. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, Cap. <laughs> Hannah, it's been absolutely amazing. Thank you very much yes, for your time. Thank you, Mark. And we will speak very, very soon. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> bye bye. Hello. Welcome back to It Starts With You podcast with me, Mark Hopkins. This podcast is speaking to the infamous Hannah Mays. And if you remember back into Cat Reed's podcast, she mentions this lady. Um, that she works with and uh, and how awesome she is and i'll be honest with you she is bloody awesome she's a lovely lady um she's done all flavors of recruitment and she was a scientist so we talk about this what it's like to do all those different levels of recruitment different areas of recruitment different responsibilities within these companies but also we talk about being a scientist and, and progressing into where she's at at the moment at srg as a, a what i like to call a niche end recruiter and we talk about that because we have a lot in common about that so here she is anime's